TalkLine Network Radio, America's longest-running Jewish broadcast network, the voice of the Jewish community. Welcome to the podcast. And now... You're listening to Talk Line with Zev Brenner, America's premier Jewish broadcast on the air since 1981. And now, here's your host. Welcome back to the program, Mom Zev Brenner. It's always a privilege to have Congressman Tom Swazi with us. Not only is he a congressman, he's now a candidate for governor of New York. So welcome back to the program. Hey, Zev, thanks for having me on. Thank you, thank you. I know you ran for for uh, for governor. Ooh, how many years ago was that you ran? Two thousand and six. It was what is that? Fifteen years ago. Oh my! I remember like it was yesterday. You should have you should have won then. That's what my mother said. <laughs> well, I ran well, against Elliot Spitzer. It didn't turn out very well for me, but it didn't turn out very well for him either, as we know, as we learned later. Absolutely. So I'm now, still trying to get a refund for my investigators. <laughs> so now here you're running again. It's a crowded group. So you, what made you decide to put your hat in the ring now as opposed to later on? You know, I think that the, the state's got a lot of problems we're facing. I think the taxes are way too high. I think that we've got a problem with crime in New York City that people are not paying attention to. I just saw a report today that uh, Rochester is like one of the, they hit a record for the most crimes, most murders they've ever had. And, you know, people are not paying attention to issues like taxes and crime. And uh, we've got a problem with our schools. You know, some of our schools are some of the best schools in the country. We've got other schools that are just falling apart. And if you look at the jail, 75% of the people in jail have a drug, alcohol, or mental health problem. And uh, 50% of the kids at Rikers Islands have, have a learning disability. So we, we just got to do a better job. So uh, I'm a common sense Democrat. I'm not a, a, a far lefty. I'm not uh, a far far right. I'm a common sense Democrat. I, I, I don't. It's not about being politically correct. It's about doing the correct thing to actually solve problems for people. And so when I compare so myself, what's that? So you're a moderate Democrat. I'm moderate on some things. I'm conservative on other things. I'm progressive on other things. I'll, I'll work with anybody. I'll work with Republicans. I'll work with Democrats. I'll work with progressives. I'll work with moderates. I'll work with anybody to solve problems to help people. And that's the only re- reason to be in this in this government uh, politics business is if you actually want to try and help people. So, so I, I just want to say, when you compare me to the other candidates, there's three things people look at. What's your experience, your executive experience? I was a mayor. I was a county executive. I ran a county larger than uh, 11 states in the United States of America. I turned it around financially. Uh, I'm trained as a CPA. I'm trained as a lawyer. I'm a member of Congress. So I, my experience is I'm, I'm the most qualified person for the job. My ideology, like I said, I'm a common sense Democrat. And third, I've only been in, been in run for a week and I've already laid out what I want to do. I want to, I want to reduce taxes. I want to redu- fight crime. I want to support Eric Adams. You know, I endorsed Eric Adams for mayor early on. He asked me to be his deputy mayor. So uh, uh, I told him I can help you better if I'm governor. So here's the question I have for you. It's known traditionally in Democratic primaries that one has to go to the left. So does that mean that you're going to have to veer to the left in order to win a Democratic primary in New York State? I don't think that that's true, and I'm not going to the left. I've been fighting. I think that the left has gotten out of control. Uh, You know, I'm, I'm very progressive when it comes to the environment, okay? I'm very progressive when it comes to immigration. But I'm very moderate and, and, and actually conservative on some other things. It all depends on what the actual issue is. I'm a common sense Democrat. So when the mayor of Buffalo lost his Democratic primary to socialist, I'm the only person who went up there and endorsed him in his write-in campaign. 
and he won, even though he wasn't even on the ballot. He had to do a write-in campaign. But, uh, you know, a bunch of Democratic senators endorsed the socialist. Uh, the, the Kathy Hochul, who's the governor of New York now, who's from Buffalo, wouldn't get involved in the race. I'm the only person who came out and said, we can't let a socialist win this race. So I went up there and I endorsed uh, uh, Byron Brown for mayor, and he won a writing campaign. So I'm, I've shown that I'm willing to stand up to the far left when, they're, when they get out of control. Now, you mentioned your progressive immigration. There's new legislation in New York City that wants to allow anybody, even a legal immigrant, to be able to vote, which could change the dynamics of New York City politics. Your position on that? I think that's going to be a very, very controversial issue. They're voting on that in the city council on Thursday. Uh, I'm very going to be very curious as to what they decide to do. Uh, I understand the idea that all these people are frustrated because they've been living in the country, some people, for 20, 30 years. They've been following the rules, but for the fact that they came here uh, undocumented in the first place, for example, like the Dreamers. You know, parents brought their kids over here. They've graduated from high school. They're either in college they're working a job full-time for three years with the U.S. military, they still can't get a pathway to citizenship. Uh, you've got other people who were brought here under TPS, the Temporary Protective Status, where we invited them to America because their country had a war or because they had a hurricane or they had an earthquake, and now they're living in the country for 25 years. I got a kid that went to school with my daughter. He graduated top of his class in high school. He went to Stony Brook for biomedical engineering. He got his master's degree in biomedical engineering, now he's trying to get his Ph.D. in biomedical engineering, and he can't travel out of the country to go to the conferences on biomedical engineering because he's afraid he won't be able to come back to the country. So, I mean, that kid, I mean, he's lived his whole life here. That kid can't, can't we can't figure out so he doesn't have to look over his shoulder so he can participate in society. So it's a very nuanced thing that we can't, you know, my father was born in Italy. I'm a first generation American. I have a great sympathy for immigrants and empathy for them. I don't think that if you're not a citizen, you should be allowed to vote in federal elections, which I'm a congressman right now. That's why I think we have to finally fix immigration once and for all. We have to secure our border uh, and make it strong. But we also should figure out what these people we should can do for these people that were our essential workers, that were the dreamers, the TPS recipients, so they can participate fully in our society. So I'm anxious to see what happens Thursday in the city council on that bill. But what you're actually saying, it should be fixed on the congressional level. But they should There's no question the about it. Level, not the New York City level. No, it should be a national thing. It shouldn't be just a New York City thing. I agree with that 100%. Because if the law should be, if the people are here, we should change the laws. But here it is, it's, re, it's rewarding to assert, listen, there are a lot of immigrants that came here legally that are decent Americans. There's some that are not, and we're just rewarding everybody. There has to be some sort of a standard. Maybe it should be, like you said, on, on a federal level. You know, I used to work with Peter King very closely. He and I, he's a Republican, I'm a Democrat. He and I came up with a compromise. I said, let's create a system where we can legalize 5 million people. They got to all pay a $2,000 fee. That creates $10 billion. With that $10 billion, let's spend $5 billion to harden the border on the southern border of the United States of America. And let's spend the other $5 billion to do the stuff the Democrats talk about, which is like create an Ellis Island on the southern border where we can do a processing center. Let's get more immigration judges. Uh, let's invest some money in the Northern Triangle. Uh, let's do uh, radar and, and, and uh, use technology to protect the water as well. But let's compromise. Let's get both sides to work together and find a compromise. There's too many people who don't want us to find a deal on this. They don't want to find a compromise because they like it the way it is now. They like everybody in chaos. They like to be able to get the factory farm workers 
to go there and work in the spring for the planting season and the fall for the harvest. And uh, they don't have to pay them a, a, a wage when they're not working. It's really... So here's my question to you, Congressman Tom Swansea, is that in the New York gubernatorial race, which is heating up now, even though we have some time before the election takes place, you have Kathy Hochul, who is an incumbent. So she, even though she's there short term, has certain constituents. You have Tish James and Jamani Williams with their uh, con- constituents. So who exactly are you appealing to? What is your business? You know- I, you know, I'm, I'm the great advocate for Long Island. I know this is a big Long Island call that you've got here. Okay. So I'm a great advocate for Long Island. I'm a great advocate for the northern suburbs as well. I believe there are a lot of people in, uh, the city that will support me as well because they want a common sense Democrat who's got the experience, who's got the values, uh, and who's going to stand up to address these problems of crime and taxes and on the other issues that we're facing. I'm going to I'm going to be the only Jewish candidate in the race. I mean, I want to you look at my record on Israel. You know, you can't find a, a stronger proponent of Israel than Tom Swazi uh, of anybody in any any Democrat in Congress. I've, I've been there on every single issue. Uh, so I'm hoping that uh, my Jewish friends say that uh, it's Beshert, that Tom Swazi is going to be the next uh, governor of New York State. And I, I'm going to look for uh, Latinos as well. Uh, and, and I'm going to look for South Asians and Asians, uh, of which there are many in my district and many in Queens as well. Uh, and I think I'm going to appeal to upstate New York. So I've got to, I've got to do different things in different places. I've got to do really well in Long Island. I've got to do pretty well in Queens. I'm going to get crushed in, in Brooklyn, where Bill de Blasio and Jumani Williams and Tis James are going to split the vote. Uh, I've got some things up my sleeve for Manhattan. I'm going to make a strong appeal to Latinos in the Bronx. I'm going to get the northern suburbs because of my fight for salt and understanding property taxes so well. Uh, and I've got to do hold my own upstate. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to win upstate, but I have to hold my own upstate. I think that coalition is a winning coalition. And you, know, and you have a very good relationship with the Jewish community here in New York. Excellent. From, from the Orthodox to the conservative even the, and the reform. I mean, I, I, I understand, you know, based upon my values, based upon my upbringing, you know, I went to all Catholic schools. I went to St. Patrick's grade school, Chaminade, all boys Catholic school. I went to Boston College. I went to Fordham Law School. I was uh, very involved. But over the years, I've gotten very, very close to the Jewish community in many, many different ways, whether it's my trips to Israel, whether the positions I've taken in Congress, uh, whether my relationship with the folks in, in you know, you've got the, the, the Persians up in the five, ta- uh, up in the Great Neck. Great you've got Neck, the yeah. Orthodox down in the five towns and uh, even in Long Beach. Uh, you've got uh, uh, more of the reform and conservative over in uh, Syosset, Woodbury, and Jericho. Uh, you know, and Queens. I've got so many great relationships there. I was invited the other day to the Satmars in over in Brooklyn uh, for their celebrations. Uh, both families. <laughs> and uh, yeah, you got to go to both sides. Remember, you got to go right? to both sides. Got to go to both sides. I understand the issues. I understand. You know, if you're you're a Jewish family and observant Jewish family. It's expensive to send your kids to yeshiva. It's ex- expensive to send your kids to, to day camp. Or it's ex- expensive to keep a kosher household. And they're very concerned about just the cost of living in New York, the property taxes, the income taxes, the utility costs. Um, and they want somebody who understands, you know, what they're going through. So we're speaking with Congressman Tom Swazi. He's running for governor of New York. Congressman, you mentioned the high cost of Jewish living, especially in the Orthodox Jewish community. You have the same thing in the Catholic community with high cost of tuition. So what can 
we do? What can be done to alleviate the plights of Catholics, Jews, Muslims, those who send their kids to parochial school where they're getting doubly taxed? Because here you're not getting the benefit of public school. What is it, $18,000 a kid, $20,000 a child that's allocated from the public school, and yet they're not getting that, and they're paying tuition that could be double that as well. So it's double taxation. What can we do to give them relief? Well, it's actually more than that for the, pub, the public schools on Long Island. I mean, it's like $30,000 a child. Oh, wow, $30,000 a child. And let's remember it's, it's $450,000 per inmate in jail, so it's better to educate a child instead of paying for a jail cell later on. As for, I'm not going to announce my policy on that tonight. I, I plan a series of meetings uh, with the Orthodox community and with the Jewish community generally, as well as the parochial school community, to talk about what it is we can do to figure something out here. I, I understand the issue, and I've heard all the different ideas over the years. Uh, I want to sit down and talk to people about this issue and try and see if we can find a common-sense solution that's, that's fair. You know, I support public schools. I want public schools to, to succeed. I think we can do a much better job to make public schools less expensive by changing from mandates to guidelines. And schools that are doing well, we leave them alone. Schools that are in trouble, we send in a SWAT team to help them to succeed. But I want to talk with my friends in the in the Jewish community and in the uh, uh, Catholic school community, the parochial school community, just to see if there's some sort of common ground we can find with each other. A few minutes ago, Congressman, you mentioned that in your strategy to win, you had different areas, Long Island and Queens and other. But you said Brooklyn, you wrote, you wrote off. What about the Jewish community in Brooklyn? You gave well, up on I that? Well, I think that I think that there are pockets of Brooklyn that I've got to try and work on. You know, there's not only an Orthodox Jewish community there, very very heavy. Vasus News. You know, I I I know the community very well over many years, uh, but there's also Italian community over there. Uh, in Brooklyn. Uh, and, you know, but there, I have to accept the fact that if de Blasio runs and Tish James runs and Jumani Williams runs, they're all from Brooklyn with longstanding relationships over a long period of time. I'm hoping that my message that I have the experience and that I'm the common sense Democrat and that I'm the one who wants to fight to lower taxes and fight crime. And I've got a record of doing that. You know, I ran the 12th largest police department in the United States of America, the Nassau County Police Department is larger than the Boston Police Department or the Detroit Police Department. And we had the lowest crime rate in the United States of America for any community over 500,000 people anywhere in the country when I was county executive in Nassau. And it, that's continued to improve over the years. Uh, I, I ran the Glen Cove Police Department, a little small police department. But I understand what you, you have to do with policing, what you have to do with community policing, what you have to do to support your police officers. You know, that's the reason I endorsed Eric Adams is because he says, yeah, we got to make sure that we, the people aren't breaking the rules and there's not racism and, you know, that we have to reform the police department. But we have to support the cops. We have to support the cops. Those are dangerous jobs. And we can't let them feel like they're out there by themselves, not being supported uh, by their elected officials and by the community. So um, I feel very, very good about this race. And I feel that people want to hear common sense talk. They want to just hear the things that they're thinking and feeling. It's enough of this pandering to the different extremes. You know, you mentioned about the policemen and, you know, they, they need to have support. One of the problems, and this morale is low, especially in New York City, because of the no bail laws. So here you go, you arrest somebody, and before you finish the paperwork, he's out of he or she is out of jail. So a lot of them are frustrated, and they said, why bother to make the arrest if they're going to be out? So how can we deal with that? I came out very strong the day of my announcement, and I said, we have to give the discretion to the judges to put someone behind bars if they feel 
that there's a public safety risk. It can't be that somebody gets arrested for like a low-level uh, offense and they say, oh, because of the low-level offense, we can't, uh, we can't keep them in jail and hold them. No, let's look at the whole circumstances. What kind of record did they have in the past? What kind of crimes have they committed before this? Let's look at the whole, whole situation and give the judges the power to remand someone to put them behind bars. Now, the cash bail system is an unfair system, okay? I was, I was the county executive in Nassau County. I know people that were in jail that were, were there for a low-level offense. They had a $100 bail. They couldn't pay their bail because they didn't have the money. $200 bail, $500 bail. They couldn't pay the. And somebody who has the money, they, they get the money, they, they get out. You're not supposed to have bail based upon being punitive. Bail is supposed to be so that you stop someone who has a flight risk to make sure that they come back because if they forfeit the money, they, they better not, they know they have, they have to come back to appear at court. That's the purpose of it. We actually raised money for people that were in jail for low level offenses that were nonviolent people to get the, raise their $100, $200 in bail. So cash bail system, I understand the need for reforming that. But we cannot stop judges who can see right there in the courtroom what's going on, looking at someone's uh, previous record, that they know that person's a danger to the community. They know that person's going to affect public safety and they're a possible flight risk as well. The judge has to have the power to protect the, the citizenry. And can the governor change that or is it up to the uh, legislator? Well, the, ju- the governor should lead on that issue and then try and get a law presented to the legislature to pass it. I mean, I'm concerned right now that the governor's saying, oh, I want to see what the legislature is going to say. I mean, the governor's been in office for over 100 days. She still hasn't laid out what her plan is on anything. What's going to be your biggest challenge running for governor? I got to raise the money. That's the biggest challenge. How much so, money does, does one require to run? To be competitive, I've got to raise at least $8 million. I think it's probably going to take $12 million or $15 million. So it's a lot of money. As my brother used to say to me, my, my brother, when I was younger, he says, who spends a million dollars to get a $100,000 job? So, <laughs> <laughs> I think they're paying so, a little bit more than that these days, right, for the job? Or Now it's governor? a lot. Now it's, well, I don't know. I don't even know what the governor makes. I think the governor probably makes 175 or 200000 I don't know. I'll find out for you. Right, no, no, I'm, sure. I'm not doing it for the money. money. When, I, right, right, when, I, when I lost my race for county executive, I went into the private sector. I went to work for Lazard Frere, which is a big investment banking firm. I worked for a law firm. I made plenty of money then. I paid off my mortgage, and I put money aside for my, co- my kid's college. But after doing it for seven years, I was not that happy. I wasn't fulfilled. I didn't feel like I was doing what God intended for me. And my, my congressman announced he wasn't running for re-election. I was like, oh, this so I just I was a little bit nervous because I had lost my race for county executive. I had lost the race for governor, and I was a uh, had to get the guts to run again. And I ran. I had a five way primary, and I won. And then I won the general election. Now I'm on ways and means. You know, people say, "Why are you running? You're you're a member of Congress. You got you you have the closest relationship of any member of the New York delegation with the next mayor of New York City, Eric Adams. You're on ways and means. You're fighting for salt. You're doing a great job. You're on the big issues of the day." You know, you're friends with the Democrats. You got friends with the Republicans. Why are you giving it all up? I said, because I really feel that I was meant to do this job. Everything I've done in my life has prepared me for the job of governor of New York State right now. And we have to stand up to these far left and far right extremists who are pulling our country apart. And we've got to get people back involved in politics again, back involved in governing to actually solve problems that people face. And we have problems in New York. We got problems with taxes and crime, some issues with the environment. And some issues with our schools. 
Were you tempted when Eric Adams invited you to become deputy mayor? Did you for a moment think about it or was your mind set on running for governor throughout the whole process? I thought about it uh, and I and I realized that uh, I could be much more effective helping him to accomplish his mission of making New York City safer and more affordable and more equitable if I was the governor. Will he endorse uh, you for governor? No, I doubt it. He's you know, he's got to deal with the governor of New York State to get a budget done. He's from the same political base as Tish James, uh, you know, and Jumani Williams and Bill de Blasio. Uh, but I'm the only one who endorsed him and worked for him in his race. So uh, I, I listen, I love him. He's a wonderful guy. I'm very inspired by him. We have a great relationship. I was very flattered that he offered me to be deputy mayor. But I'm not going to put him in political hot water uh, when he's first starting out as mayor by trying to uh, get him to endorse me. It would not be smart for him to do politically. And he's done plenty to help me along the way already. Now, what's happened to the Democratic Party, especially in New York? It's moved so far progressively left that the people like Alan Dershowitz are just very upset with the party. So you're running as a moderate, but it may be hard to get traction because of the left-wing tilt of the party here in New York. Well, there's a lot more people that are moderate than you think there are. And, you know, there's not only a left-wing tilt with the Democrats. There's been this crazy right-wing tilt with some of the Republicans, you know, but not in not, New York. No, not in New. Well, some of them, some of them have gone, you know, to to extremes in New York. Uh, I won't go into that right now. Uh, the problem is, is that very few people vote in primaries. Ten to fifteen percent of the people vote in the primaries. They're often the most extreme people. So what happens is a lot of seats in Congress, in the state legislature, uh, are safe seats. You can't lose. The only way you can lose is by losing a primary. Who votes in the primary? The most extreme people. So the politicians end up pandering to the far left and the far right. I am I am risking my whole government career. I'm giving up the United States Congress. I can't run for re-election. It's the same time as governor. I'm risking it all because I'm going to take on this fight. I'm going to say, listen, we need people who don't normally vote in primaries to show up and vote in the Democratic primary and get Democrats elected that are reasonable people and are not this far left extreme. Uh, so that's what my battle is going to be. So I need any of your listeners who are out there, if you're registered as a Democrat and you don't normally vote in primaries, show up and vote in the primary. And if you like Tom Swazi, if you vote, vote for Tom Swazi. If you don't like Tom Swazi, then just forget about what I said. Don't show then up. Don't vote, <laughs> don't, don't vote in the stick to being a Republican. You know, there's a movement in the Jewish community to get Republicans, Jews that are registered as Republicans, to switch to the Democratic Party because the more exciting and important races in New York are in the Democratic primary. Yeah, in independents and Republicans should vote, should regist register before February as a Democrat so you can vote in the Democratic primary. And if you do that, vote for Tom Suozzi. If you're not going to vote for Tom Swazi, just keep your registration where it is. I remember last time we had you on the air, Congressman, you were throwing out Yiddish words. Where did you learn to speak Yiddish or certain certain? I've been in words? politics for 30 years. But my favorite one is Mensch rockt und Gott lacht. Man plans and God laughs. That's my favorite. And I told you before, you know, I, whatever happens in this race, it's going to be beshert. It's going to be meant to happen. So, uh, I listen, I... I have a great affinity for 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 Jewish people. I've, I've, my whole life, uh, I, I, my dad passed away. I was looking through his papers, and uh, I found a nineteen. What year was that war? Was it seventy three? Nineteen seventy three was the Yom Kippur War. Yes, the Yom Kippur War. It was a nineteen seventy three Israeli war bond that my father had bought in nineteen seventy three. Wow! 
And it was it was signed by Golda Meir. That was the name that was the name that was on the on the bond. So I mean, our whole life, my my father was very discriminated against when he you know he came from Italy, and when he died, I read his his Saint Dominic's yearbook, and they asked the kids. They said, "What's your goal in life?" And most kids would say, "I want to be a doctor. I want to be a lawyer. I want to be an engineer. I want to travel the world." My father said, "My goal is to be a real American." Now, when I was a kid, I was like, "Who thinks of that?" When they're eighteen years old, the goal is to be a real American. But I realized my father was 18 in 1939. He would have been 100 years old this year. He was 18 in 1939. So Hitler had teamed up with Mussolini. So everybody thought the Italians were fascists or they were in the mafia. So they were very discriminated against in America. They talk about the Japanese internment camps that they had during World War II. There were Italian internment camps. People were relocated from the coastlines, Italian-Americans. I never, uh, I never knew that. Nobody knows it. I, I've got a bill in Congress to, to get an apology from the U.S. government. Absolutely. Just so people, people know about it. So Italian, the second most lynched group in the history of the United States of America after African Americans are Italian Americans. And so, uh, people don't realize that my father, he went to college. He fought in World War II. He got the Distinguished Flying Cross as a navigator on a B-24. He came back and went to Harvard Law School in the 1940s. Unheard of an Italian immigrant going to Harvard in the 40s. He came back from Harvard Law School. He couldn't get a job at a law firm because nobody would hire Italians. So he teamed up with another Italian guy in Glen Cove, and he ended up getting involved in politics. He ran for city court judge. He became the youngest judge in the history of New York State at 28 years old. What a country. Wow. So he fought tremendous discrimination. And he if anybody ever said anything in front of him that was disparaging, of another person because of their religion or their race, he, they would hear from him or he'd get up and walk away. He would not tolerate any discrimination whatsoever against anybody. And that's always been a big part of who I am because of my father. No, wonderful, wonderful legacy, and you're following the footsteps. And I want to thank you for your leadership, especially regarding Israel. You've been a strong friend, consistent over the years, and that means a lot, especially in today's troubling times. And we see what's going on. Before I let you run, Iran, and, and what's going on? Because our administration looks like they want to coddle the Iranians, and they're constantly doing end runs around our government and playing games with hiding nuclear weapons. And You cannot trust the Iranians under any circumstances whatsoever. They are against us. They do not like us. Uh, and they cannot be trusted. Now, I'll make a deal if we have some things that we can verify and we're, we're positive, it's it, but we cannot trust them. They're, under no circumstances can we trust the Iranians. And our, our foreign adversaries right now, the Russians, the Chinese, the Iranians, and the North Koreans, are working to try and destabilize our society. They're using social media to spread civil unrest. So you got the politicians pandering to the far left and the far right. You got social media far right, far left. You got cable news far right, far left. And our foreign adversaries are trying to promote hateful messages in our country, uh, including anti-Semitism, which is a very real thing. But our foreign adversaries are trying to promote it in our country, as well as other hateful messages. Uh, because they want to destabilize our country and, and hurt our democracy. The president of Russia and Xi Jinping have both said they don't think democracy can survive in the modern world. They don't think because of our news cycle and because of social media that we can get anything done uh, in this current climate. And they think authoritarianism is the only way to go. So we have to prove them wrong. We need to stand up and, and, and move forward, working together across party lines, across ideologies, to do things that are good for the people. 
so that was but my Hanukkah you, message you, the other day. But are you concerned that Russia will invade Ukraine, China will do the same with Taiwan? I think they're testing our administration. They feel a weakness there, and I'm just concerned that we're going to be in for some major conflicts with Russia, China, Iran, and North Korea. We're going to have to be very strong. We cannot we cannot give ground on either one of those things, on Taiwan. I just did a bill today in Congress, the Uyghur, Uyghur Forced Labor Prevention Act. They literally have forced labor camps in China right now with over a million people in them, where the goods that they manufacture are coming into the U.S. labor market. We have to stop those goods from coming here. There's forced sterilization. They're forcing people to eat pork that's against their religion to eat pork. Uh, they are they are uh, taking families, splitting families up. It's been declared a genocide by the Trump administration and by the Biden administration. And we have to start holding the Chinese accountable for the way they treat their own people, not only the, in the Xinjiang region and the Uyghurs, but the Tibetan Buddhists and the Hong Kong students. And we have to start standing up for our values and we have to be tough about it. Final question. You're running for governor. From the way you're speaking, why aren't you running for president? They need a good candidate on the Democratic side to run for president. So why did you choose governor as opposed to president? Well, there was always one woman who said, you'd be the best president our country ever had. And I always told her the same thing. Cut it out, Mom. You should know, by the way, Joe, when Joe Lieb was running for attorney general, I said to him, why don't you run for president? He goes, you and my mother. But, <laughs> but, but when we did, he remembered the I was the first Democrat in New York. I was the first Democrat in New York State to endorse Joe Lieberman for president when he ran for president. You didn't know that, did you? I didn't know. He's a, he's a good man. I like uh, I endorsed him for president when he ran for president. I was the first Democrat in all of New York State to do it. He almost made it, too. Right. He's a wonderful guy. He's a wonderful man. Yes, he is. I'll send a, he's going to be on the show in a couple of days. I'll send regards as well. You tell him I said hi. He'll, he'll be excited to hear. He knows, he knows Tom, Tommy Swazi. So, t- Tom, what's your Hebrew name? We've got to come up with a Hebrew name for you. Oh, I don't know. You've got to give me one. I don't have one. Uh, we'll come up with, with something uh, with, a, with a T. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll come up with a, with, a, with a good name for you. But I have to tell you, it was, it was a pleasure. And we look forward to having you back. Good luck on your quote. We look forward to speaking more. It's so important. The lines of communications are open. Thank you for all that you do. Congressman uh, Tom Swazi, thank you for, for – Tanchum. Maybe Tanchum would be a good name. But a to, all of your, to all of your uh, listeners, Toda Rabalachem. And a Shane Dank. Thank you. Gesundheit. Gesundheit. Congressman Tom Swazi here on the Talkline Network. One of the most important Jewish institutions in the world today is Talkline with Zeb Rana. He is so smart and he is so innovative and he has so many interesting guests. I don't know what Yiddishkeit, I don't know what New York, I don't know what the world would do without Zeb. So Zeb, Yashikoch, may you go from strength to strength. And keep keep informing us and educating us and keep fighting for Jewish values. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks for listening. For continuous Jewish programs, hawklinenetwork.com or our 24-hour-a-day listen line at 641-741-0389. For past shows, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, YouTube, Instagram, and all major podcast platforms, or jewishpodcast.org. Thanks for listening to the TalkLineNetwork.com. TalkLine Network Radio, America's longest-running Jewish broadcast network, the voice of the Jewish community.